Hey, it's you, Sparky. 5 for 12.50 a.m. The Fan in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a.k.a. Hales Corners, where the studios are. He is dressed in his green polo today. <laughs> uh, Dwight Albright is here. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Dewey300. Of course, Phil Brylo, $2 Phil. Follow him at Brew City Bowling. It is a spare time bowling show. Thanks so much for giving us a tune in. Don't forget to download us uh, on your free Odyssey app. That's the best way to go. Otherwise, wherever you download your favorite spot podcasts at and once in a while, we'll throw this stuff up on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page uh, as well. Okay, so this this whole Super Slam Cup uh, that they have going uh, and that, you know, is an invention by the PBA. This isn't something that was going on with Roth and Holman and so forth. But I'm going to go to the uh, older guy on the show, Dwight. Mm-hmm. Dwight, do you wish we had something like this years ago in the 70s and 80s, something along this line where you had the champs kind of all bowling together? I. Sure. I, I think that was great. I, another great format, another great idea by Tom Clark. Um, it's uh, one tournament for the best for the best um, type of deal. So uh, I, I thought I, my comment was they saved the best for last. It was the best show of the year on the last show. Okay. So this is my thoughts on this. The <clears throat> qualifying show on Saturday uh, you you get in in the fifth frame. Hold on, I'm, I'm falling asleep thinking about that. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so you get in the fifth frame, and you miss the first five frames. Yeah. And then you realize there's no crowd, so it's literally just them bowling. Yeah, rapid bowling. Right. You don't have Rob Stone uh, either, no. which isn't, I mean, for that, who cares, really? I mean, to be honest with you, I was more concerned about how the single individual bowling uh, was going to be entertaining right. uh, without any type of thing. Uh, so that was weird how you kind of just jumped in in the fifth frame. Now, I'm not saying it was horrible. I'm just saying it was weird. Uh, so then you get through that. Then you get to the individual bowling, and it's two-game total pinfall to determine seeding for the right. Sunday show for the Super Slam. So now it's, okay, you're in goal bowl by yourself. Now, I want to be honest with you. all I told Dwight this, Phil, already. So I was in lacrosse all weekend for a wedding, so we got home last night. Uh, so I was wanting to watch this off DVR without falling asleep. So I watched Sunday show first, got that done. That was the most important. And then I went to Saturday show. So individual time comes. Here's Tack. And I'm like, okay. Oh, there's fans. Okay. All right. So we got fans for this. This is good. So Tack and Bowls. And as Randy Peterson said, it's so critical to get the correct pace kind of mm-hmm. going. It's like when I bowl by myself, if I pre-bowl for a league or whatever, I mean, I bowl way faster than I do if I'm bowling on league. You're not taking as many yeah. breaks. You're just rolling. Uh, so there's that. Then the interview midway through, that mm. was weird. I, he obviously knew what was going to happen. This was all scripted out. They knew what was coming. But to break up a game with the interview with Kimberly Pressler, whose birthday it was, uh, that seemed weird too. Uh, what was your thoughts on, on the format, Phil? It just was a tough pace to, to as a, I don't know, call me purist, whatever it is. It was just a tough format to follow. And uh, I, th- I think it would have been better. Maybe they could have come up with some point system or seeded the guys, you know, or, or, or something where they bowled and they got a couple of points each game or bowled shorter games. What's wrong with a six frame game? They used to do it for the Motel Six shootout. Bowl two six frame games, and there would have been enough time for everybody to get two games like that on TV. Uh, hey, wait a second. What was the stop. name of the thing that they used to do um, 
where they would bowl like three guys at one point or four guys, whatever it was back in the world series of bowling is, and they would eventually eliminate them one at a time yeah, based was, on low score. What was that called? What right. Was, that was just an eliminator format. That's just what they called it. The eliminator. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved it. And everybody else got all pissed off about it, but I thought it was great. Go they ahead. could have, they could have done that too over two days. If you think about it. Yeah. They really could have done that over two days and had enough time frame to, to fill it. But yeah, it's the weird pacing and all that. And and honestly, I got partway through and I'm like, I, I, I'm going to catch the scores. I'm in the middle of a busy weekend here in Portland. And uh, yeah, I just kind of glossed over it and, and waited for the results to come out of PBA.com. So this is so. me. I got through Tackett and then I was done. I was falling asleep. So yeah. that's what I turned it off. But I'd already watched Sunday show, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I thought Tackett's point was was mm-hmm. valid which was, this is weird. Yeah. Like, you never get this where you have to go out there by yourself. I don't. I think I like it going forward if they're going to use it for this only every year. I would only caution, I don't need to see the first set of games. Like mm-hmm. You don't have to join in the fifth frame. Like Let's figure something else out to do uh, one way or the other uh, and do that and then do the single individual or do that stupid roll-off thing that y'all like doing Um, where it's, you know, the last two frames or three frames or whatever, just do that. So instead of bowling full games, just have them each bowl three frames where you could start it from the start and then go all the way through and then bowl the individual matches after that by themselves. Because it is, I think, challenging, Dwight. uh, It's something different that they're not used to. Yep, uh, I agree. Uh, It was a unique format, maybe just for that show. The thing that I... Uh, caught right away was that they did change from what we talked about last week, uh, the way the lanes were being oiled. We we were talking about who was going to have the best position, and they made it clear right away that each after each game the lanes were being re-oiled. So that's a little which different. was good. Yeah, yeah, that was a little different. Uh, I was expecting then, obviously, what we talked about the the, the lane needs to be developed, and then uh, by the end it would be deteriorated. And yeah, I mean they still talked about that after every time they do oil the lanes after every game that um, it, at the end it's going to end up being a little bit tighter down lane and a little drier in the heads. But that's still better than not oiling them at all. Yeah, that Correct. was still the better decision, right? You agree with that? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I think they made the right decision doing it from that perspective. Then the other thing you have, and I don't remember when this started. I was obviously a long time ago, but Mikey, these bowlers, it's just brilliant. It, it mm-hmm. really is because you really get to hear the thoughts as these guys are kind of going through mm-hmm. um, and getting frustrated or getting excited or whatever the case may be. And it really lets kind of everybody in. And I think it's relatable to Phil from the aspect of when you, you know, are bowling on league yourself and you're having a bad day or you're rolling the things that you may be saying or whatever the case may be, you should be able to relate to kind of what you're hearing from these guys. Oh God, it was hilarious. when Simo left that uh, week 10 against McCune in the second match oh, on yeah. Sunday. And he just yeah. goes, no guys, my name's, you know, everybody could hear it. You know, it wasn't just the crowd that could hear it. It was just at home. They yeah, my no, last guys, name my name's Simo. I don't get yeah. those. I don't get those breaks, you know, <laughs> and then he wanted to clarify to McCune. He wasn't taking a shot <laughs> right. at him. Right. right. Then apologizes, know, it, yeah. it, it happens. I mean, it was the same thing with, uh, you know, Belmo a few weeks back, you know, with the where everybody thought he was like, you know, he's going to get out of here and all that. Well, he's talking right. the pins. So, yeah, it, it's really good. It's nice that, you know, when remarks like that are made, the bowlers still have a chance to clarify it on top of it, too, <laughs> which helped. But I just thought it was funny. Simo, I, I, my name's Simo. I don't get get those breaks, you know. 
Yeah, well, it's, it's the personality you don't get if you wouldn't hear it. If the crowd hears it, great. They laugh, and then you're at home going, what the hell just happened? Right. Yeah. That's a cool thing, too, is you also get a feel for kind of the relationships with between different bowlers. Like, mm-hmm. for the most part on this TV show, there yeah. didn't seem to be a lot of hostility between anybody. No. Like, everybody was kind of rooting for everybody. Even when Tackett got his 300 eventually on Sunday, everybody was coming out and, yep. and giving him a hug or shaking his hand or whatever, congratulating him. There was a lot of laughter and having fun on that show on Sunday between bowlers and stuff that was being done. I, I just think that was a really good look for the PBA, Dwight. It, it, it is. And uh, the thing I was thinking about right away when you guys were talking about that is, yes, there is a mutual respect between all five of those. As you can tell, um, they talk about Jacob Butroff's um, attitude being one of the best out there. Um, everyone likes him type of deal. Uh, so, uh, yes, I, I got that good vibe. But then I remember also EJ's father in Milwaukee <laughs> during Belmo's match. And, and at, when you play the video back at the very end, you see him looking at Tom Clark after Belmo's catching a few breaks here or there to force EJ to strike out, you can see the disgust on uh, EJ's dad's face. And then, of course, when EJ wins, he gives Belmo the double boom, boom. <laughs> so <laughs> back at him. So, uh, yeah, maybe the, there's a lot of respect for from one to the other and uh, mutual respect between the players. But I don't know about that with the families <laughs> in the crowd. But, but again, I mean, that's yeah. a lot of old school stuff yeah. right i mean that well you that's your old son school to win. that's the old yeah. school competitor right. uh rooting for his son and feeling the rivalry yes. kind of going back and forth now make no mistake this is not rash belmonte these are just mm. two really good bowlers that end up kind of bowling against each other unless i'm missing something but it seems like there's yeah. mutual respect between these two and there's there's no hostility whatsoever between these two phil well, you got to remember with with EJ and, and Belmo. Belmo had a tournament last year in, in Australia that he had originally invited EJ to, but then with COVID, everything got canceled, moved around. I've seen EJ and Belmo and EJ's wife Natalie all sit around a table at dinner talking for hours on end, awesome. that type of thing. You know, you see that with Simon and EJ too. You see it with all the players out there. The respect's there. I mean, even some of the guys that might not make shows all the time, uh, it's not like guys get shunned out there or anything like that. There's some guys that have problems with each other. I mean, we've all seen, you know, in the past, Rash and Belmo, that's calmed down. And that was you know, Brunswick and Belmo for a right. while. You had yeah. Rash and his whole crew that right. were, yeah. were anti Belmo, I think, yeah. for a while. And then, you know, Rash and Tommy Jones, the, you're never going to see those two having a beer together after. Wow, Rash and another bowler. I'm amazed. But it's still out there. I mean, especially during competition, it's just, you know, they're going to make sure that. You know, on the lanes, are beating each other's brains out. Off the lanes, it's it's handshakes and hugs and, uh, you know, talk what happened during the match, that type of thing. We'll get more back to this PBA Super Slam. I have another question for Phil Brylow. No. Follow Phil on mm-hmm. uh, Twitter, Bruce City Bowling. Who is the leader amongst these guys? Because, you know, we've talked about this before, that this isn't a union. It's an individual sport. So when you have your meetings with Tom Clark and the PBA, I'm sure there are certain bowlers they kind of take the lead in representing the other bowlers and are more vocal to Tom and so forth. We've heard about Simonson and Clark. Uh, who are the vocal guys that kind of take up for the rest of the guys when it comes to dealing with Tom and the PBA as far as what they want, what they don't want, and so forth? Well, there's a PBA Players Committee, and yep. Chris Barnes is currently the president of it. Uh, if you ask me the rest of the members of that committee, I, I really couldn't tell you. I haven't seen anything on it recently, uh, and 
you know, Barnes. We'll have Tom back on and talk to Tom about that. I think that's good. So there's a, but you know, Barnes is one of the guys out there, but you see a lot of the guys like we saw at the players championship, Simon pulling on Tom's here and EJ occasionally pulling Tom's here and Belmo pulling Tom's here. You know, it was the guys, the guys know when and where to do it a little bit too. I mean, it was kind of unusual that Simo did it right on T, you know, right after his TV match, that type of thing. But, you know, Tom sat there and he knows, Tom knows these guys are competitors. He sat there. It's like, okay, this guy needs the vent. Let's, I got time. It's a break between the games. Let's do it. And and Tom, you know, respectfully, respectfully did it and, you know, listened to him. And then whatever Tom does with it and for the two of them talked about, that's, you know, what, up to time so way more patience than i'd have uh okay uh let, let's talk a little bit about what happens now after we get through this uh and we get to the actual championship match now uh, again understand because of the seating on saturday that you literally just bowled the night before and now you're coming right back the next day and trying to forget about whatever happened yesterday uh, and then move forward. And this is not for a little amount of money. We're talking $100,000 for first place, 40 Gs to second place. Uh, then McCune was 18000 Simonson 12000 Jacob Buttrip uh, was $10,000 uh, at the end of the day. So there was a lot of money uh, on the line here at the end. So it's Anthony Simonson and Jacob Buttrip. Uh, and right off the bat, 268 to 258 of uh, the final, the 5-4 matchup, Simonson over Jacob Buttriff. I guess I wasn't necessarily all in on this is what it's going to look like all day necessarily uh, at this point, Dwight, right. but it was a hell of a way to kick off uh, a show. That is for sure. You know, Phil talked about it last week with the, the pattern being the same. I thought Saturday's show, the scoring was average, and I was expecting that for Sunday's show. But it's amazing, again, the environmental issues or whatever the case may be. Uh, I mean, they just tore that pattern up. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, 268, 258. Randy's comment uh, on one of uh, Buttrop's strikes was cracked me up. Here we go again with Randy's comments. The last time I saw a 10-pin fall forward was when the mechanic yeah. had a black hose. Yeah. So that one I... I thought was hilarious that when I, I always, I always laugh. What? Well, I don't laugh at Randy's jokes necessarily <laughs> all the time, but I know you're laughing at Randy's jokes. And that's <laughs> the most important thing. Going. Yes. Yes. Being a former mechanic. Right. Yes. But I mean, Butcher starts off with that split and converts it right off right. the bat. And you're like, okay, right. well, this could be a good or a bad thing. Either he's going to be maybe a little lost here or whatever, but really at the end of the day, it was just whoever strikes the most. That was kind of the theme uh, all day on Sunday, Phil. It's, Amazing when the guy, you know, we were all worried about Saturday with the pattern getting torn up and the five guys bowling all the other stuff. But then standard stepladder show, and all of a sudden these guys are on a pretty good pair of lanes at Bolero Jupiter. I mean, let's be honest, we saw scores come off those pairs in past PBA playoffs uh, that they've had there, and the scores were pretty high. Uh, PBA's player championship, remember those scores back in 2021. My goodness. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything. So you know that's a really good pair to start with. And then these guys developed the pair during practice, right. learned what they were going to do. And then obviously the first match comes out, those guys each get a few balls on each lane before it gets started. And then everybody moved off of that. And, you know, these guys, are, these guys are always watching. So watching that pattern develop and having the right pieces of equipment in your hand, you know, you heard Belmo thank his ball rep after it was done, you know, put right. this piece in and, and, he, and he got the title with it. Uh, they everybody matched up well. The pair is really conducive to scoring in the first place, and that's when the scores really started taking off. And I was, I, I was, you know, I can't say a hundred percent surprised by that, but the guys averaged two sixty four, crazy on that show. 
yep. with McCune shooting 212. Right. I mean, yep. it's just, you know, these guys are so good. And when they know, you know, that could have been part of the problem for Simo and, and on Sun on Saturday was that how do I develop this without the other, you know, without the other guy? And it, it's dead fresh. And I got a couple of practice shots and it didn't have time for him to wheel it in. To go back to back 268s on TV, making those correct moves, that just goes to show how good Simonson was with developing yeah. the pattern in practice and then keeping up with the transitions all the way through. Yeah. So that was a win for Simonson, obviously. Match number two, McCune uh, and Simonson uh, at this point. And McCune shoots 279. Unbelievable. Dude, you yeah. lose. First of all, you're butt tripping, you lose with 258. That's stupid. Then Simonson <laughs> loses with 268. That's even more dumb. I mean, if you're Simonson, you just walk off and go, whatever. Like, <laughs> it is what it is. Like, I, what more could I have done? I, I right. bowled out of my mind in this one, uh, and it wasn't enough. And McCune, I, I was on my couch last night kind of giggling like, oh, no. Like, if he starts slaying guys yes. again this week, yeah. we got right. something going into the summer. Like, this is going to be a big story. And McCune yes. even talking about the fact, like, he's never done so much media as he right. did last week with everybody wanting to talk to Nuke. Like, that was a yeah. thing. And that would be good for bowling, I think, if this Absolutely. dude becomes something mm. next year where he's on TV and he's kind of – because he's a cool personality. Yeah, He's like a guy that – you would just mold you up onto at the corner bar and talk to and unassuming. And yeah. I, I just, I love it. It's him. not quite full Spicoli, but it's definitely that laid back yeah. vibe that, yes. you know, once he's off the lanes, man, you see that skull. I mean, as soon as the lights come on, man, and that curtain just drops. It's just like, bam, Terminator mode. Here it goes. Mm-hmm. And he gets done with it, man. And it's just lighthearted joking, that kind of thing. It's amazing how he can turn that off and on. I, I, I It's, it's, it's really cool to see. Peterson's comments throughout the game, uh, I heard a lot of nasties and dirties and filthies. I mean, just, I mean, Peterson's all in on this kid. Um, I I know Randy's seen thousands of pros come and go, but I mean, just a different vibe out of Randy when he calls uh, McCune's game. Well, and the other thing is, that's the Simonson quote was in this game. Yes. Where he couldn't carry a pin. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? He's throwing that ball so hard that he's probably getting pin reaction a little bit different than everybody else, Phil. McCune, that is. Everybody knows on tour that you're going to – ball speed helps kick the weak tens out. Some guys that are throwing at 15, 16 miles an hour, they're not going to kick those tens out that somebody throwing at 19 or 20 is going to get. And that is – I mean, McCune's ball speed is huge. I mean, he he probably gets himself in an eight-game block, probably three to four shots at week 10 for someone else with his speed – kicks them out i mean so you see these guys that's why they always want to make sure they keep up on the ball speed that was the bill o'neill experiment earlier in the year right gotta keep the ball speed up and he thought it would increase his rev rate a bit as well with going in a lighter way it didn't work for him but it's it's one of those things where the guys are so concerned about keeping that ball speed because if you can kick out that one extra week 10 in a block you do that every block that could be the difference between either making match play or just getting a check or just getting a check and being going home with nothing when McCune came out on the scene, at least uh, on the last couple of shows that he's been on, I thought right away when they started talking about his ball speed, 21, 22 miles an hour, formerly working at USBC and going through cats over at USBC, I thought, oh, my God, this guy's just going to have pins flying up and over each other. And, and that's what cats proved. 
that too high of a ball speed, uh, you lost carry also. But McCune's rev rate versus his ball speed is the reason why he is so successful. Um, so uh, he kind of made a believer out of me. I was a doubter at first. I'm like, well, this guy at 22 miles an hour, he's just not going to have any career in. And he proved me wrong. I, I, I think he is the real deal. I, I don't know. I'm uh, absolutely sold on the rising star comment. Um, but I, after that 279 game, I'm like, Randy said, uh, hello world, which is a Tiger Woods yep. um, comment. So um, Randy thinks pretty high of the kid. So tell me this. Either one of you. Mm-hmm. You know anybody that can throw a ball 34 miles an hour? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, they claim on the show. They, they claim on the show he threw a spare at 34. That yeah. is moving, folks. Yeah. I mean, he's, his Oscar. average ball speed is like 21 and a half to 22, somewhere in that area. Yeah. 34? Yeah. On a competitive Oscar shot? in his younger days. Asku in his younger days. Asku playing he throwing it that hard? When he was throwing spares, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember handed. being there watching him, but... Right. 34. He was 30. Yeah. He was in his highest he's ever done was 35. Damn. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he was but do you two know anybody? No. Not me uh, personally. Not around here. Not no, around not Milwaukee. In here. Not, I didn't even see anybody this weekend in Portland that, yeah, that even got to that point. That is just, that's wild stuff. And still know where it's going. It's still, right, have control. Like I said, a competitive shot. Not just getting up there and winging it wherever it goes, it goes, but actually to convert something or make a shot. Yep. That's the crazy part about it. All right. So now we have EJ Tackett uh, and Kevin McCune in match three. And Tackett runs the table uh, and shoots 300 and gets a $10,000 check Mm -hmm. uh, on TV, which he's never done before. He never thrown a 300 uh, on TV before. Phil, I want to get your perspective on this from being on TV versus, you know, being in league, everybody stops talking. It's mm-hmm. quiet, whatever. So there's more pressure on you a little bit that the, the atmosphere changes. The atmosphere doesn't though, really change when you're on TV though. Does it? No, because the crowd's getting pumped up behind you and the bowlers are just feeding into that energy with, Hey, you know, these, these fans are cheering me on. They want to see me shoot 300 and they, you know, it, it kind of builds the confidence a little bit more. That's why you see, you know, you don't see that. I don't, I think there's a lot more 300s on TV than there's ever been 299s or less just because of how the crowd, you know, feeds into the bowlers. And I, I think they just take advantage, the bowlers take advantage of that. And it's just, it's getting louder. They know they're getting pumped and then they focus a little bit more on making that good shot and keeping the crowd happy. And I think that all ties into each other where instead of, like you said, if you're in your league and everybody gets quiet and that kind of thing and, that makes I think that makes guys more nervous when that happens. You know, just keep doing your thing. Somebody get up and throw a ball next to me. Dwight, you ever throw three hundred on bowling with the champs back in the day? Uh, no. <laughs> Were there three hundred thrown on bowling with the champs back in the day? Rarely. Yeah, uh, rarely. 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 Yeah. Um, I I don't remember one to my best knowledge. Dave, I don't Dave Traver back in the eighties. Dave Traver threw because then there was a big legal thing that happened after it too because mm. the tournament wasn't sanctioned. He was supposed to win a new car. That was on new- TV. That was on TV, yeah. Yeah, back in the day, Bowling with the Champs, they had an insurance policy, obviously, that would pay off on the car. Bowling with the uh, Champs is a lanes. Milwaukee TV yeah. bowling show back in the day that would be on, like, well, it's a Saturday morning. Every Sunday, Sunday yeah, morning. Sunday morning. Sunday mornings, yeah, it was. Yeah. Mornings, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Channel so the, for a few years, because the lane conditionings, they wanted to kind of wall them up a little bit, and ABC at the time was, no, you can't do that. It's legal conditions, so they just didn't sanction the tournament. And so Dave Traber shot it on, shot a 300 on TV, and the term was sanctioned, so the insurance policy required sanctioning. And so, yeah, it ended up being this big thing after everything aired and stuff. Wow. And I actually saw Dave 
during the World Series of Bowling. He goes, "Yeah, that cost me a little money in legal fees, but I ended up getting I ended up getting it settled up." So, wow! Once it was all done, yeah, yeah. So, I was fortunate to make the show five different years, and uh, the first one we won't even want to talk about because I was a nervous <laughs> wreck, and I was only eighteen years old. On top of it, but all five of the years, so was it black and white? Yeah, almost black and white, Bill. <laughs> but the, the the thing I again that and maybe I, I I should have done what Pete Weber did, but I just couldn't get used to the amount of lighting that they use um, because it is a dark bowling alley. I mean, it's a big bowling alley. You had it at Bolero or you had it at Celebrity. There was yeah. a small stint at Regency on Seventy Six and Forest, um, but um, it was the lighting that I just couldn't get used to the glare off of the lanes, and then to me I. I don't know if it was the lighting, but I never really had a good ball reaction any of the shows that I was on. I just like, wow, they had you had to be letter perfect to get to the pocket. Now, I don't know if they made it tougher uh, wow. for an oil pattern. With Tackett, he had what two, three, four boards oh, where yeah. he yeah. was able to throw into it still it still come right back lane. and get yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He had a, know, quite a good look. EJ is the best on tour of seeing that urethane's in front of him. Yes. And then using resin to combat that to his advantage. He, he is absolutely the best on tour at doing that. You will never hear EJ Tackett cry if there's 100 urethane balls thrown in front of him because he knows he's going to use that to his advantage. Right. The urethane bowling thing. balls, they move the oil. Yes, they do. Right, right? Yeah. yeah, so they're pushing the oil down, uh, creating that uh, shim or hold area, and so obviously that's what creates the miss area for EJ. Um, so I was also impressed with that game, uh, getting back to um, uh, Kevin McCune, even though he was lost for a couple of frames, how quick he flipped that switch and then started to slow whoop it and then ran the last six. Right. Uh, I made a comment in my notes. I'm like, Paps is probably bankrupt after this weekend. A lot of so, six packs. Right. Yeah. A lot of six packs, a lot of thousand dollars going out there. Every one of the pros had a six pack, as it was mentioned on the show. I think if you go back to when Butcher have lost, even he in that 10th frame was like, well, I still got a chance for right. a six pack. It's all right. It's okay. I'm fine. And then, well, you know, he's able to dollars in your hand. Yeah, you he's know? able to do it. The fans were going crazy and everything else. And that's that lighthearted stuff that you like to see, I think. And here. Right. Right. That, again, I think it's good for TV. I think it's good for fan connection, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just anything that shows they're human. Uh, too many times exactly. in sports, you just see the guy hitting the ball, kicking the field goal, and you don't get to see the personality behind it. We're now with bowling you, you're getting to see it a little bit more. And even the PBA is getting better at that uh, on social media than they've been uh, in a couple of years where you get a little bit behind the scenes and, you know, you get your own versions of, uh, of pressing questions that, that the PBA is starting to do uh, on social. So it, it, the person you know, getting to learn their personality more on the players, I think is just going to expand how these players are accepted by, by people that are fringe bowling fans, not right. just, you know, the diehards like us. Yep. All right. So Tackett wins 300 to 212. Bye-bye, Kevin McEwen. It was fun, yep. Nuke. Uh, then we get the match everybody wanted. Belmonte and Tackett. Yeah. This is what everybody wanted. Yes. No offense to McEwen, even though there would have been a lot of talking points if he would have slayed Tackett again. That that, mm. that would have been our budding rivalry there if he gets um, a back-to-back -back TV shows like that. Uh, but uh, Tackett throws 300. Then I found it very intriguing. And props to the PBA. For Kimberly Bressler, having both of them standing there before the mm. match, talking about the 300 and not having to get ready for the next match, and Tackett going, 
Well, I'm sure Belmonte's happy because <laughs> right. the odds aren't very good that I'm going to follow this up with another He's one. Spot on. If you look at the scores and stuff that follow these things, it's not good. So this probably works to Belmonte's advantage that I threw the 300 now. And then you go to Belmonte, and Belmonte's like, hey, I'm hoping to go do the same thing right now when I get up <laughs> there and bowl. Right? right? I, I just, to me, that whole interview, that whole right. thing was so well done. Right. Everybody involved. Pressler, Tackett's answers, Belmonte's answers. It was perfect at the end of the day, Dwight. Yeah, well, he was telling the truth. You know, again, I've had 18 300s. And the next game, and there was a massive letdown. And and Randy talked about the adrenaline factor. Um, if you you know how long that's going to take for it to wear down and refocus. But I mean, you get a ten thousand dollar check. Getting back to that, Randy made a comment that his three hundred game wouldn't count. And I and I'm putting my notes. What do you mean it's not going to count? That's one of my questions for Phil. So I was very happy to hear. That he or see that he got that ten thousand dollar check because I'm thinking you better give him that ten thousand dollar check right. for shooting three hundred in TV. I get the fact that it wasn't a titled tournament, right? So, That's exactly it. They have to be titled tournaments. So like Wes Malat's two three hundreds back in the King of the Hill. King, King of the, of the Hill. Hill. I love that yeah. show with Wes Malat. Big yeah. right. Yeah. So those aren't official, but Wes got money for him too. So. Yeah, I mean, I, everybody still counts them. You, hey, you shot 300 on TV, man. It's it's not easy to do. I, I you know, Ryan Schaefer, you know, is a guy that had a mediocre PBA career, made some shows, won some titles. I shouldn't say mediocre. I mean, he's almost Hall of Fame eligible, but he's not one of those guys that pops up to me. You go, hey, you know, who, somebody who shot two 300s on TV? Not him. And it's him. Ryan yeah. Schaefer was one of the first to do it, and people don't remember that because it's not officially titled. Schaefer was I, a Brunswick guy, wasn't he? Yeah, still is to this memory day. correct memory yes. uh, serves correctly. Yes, yeah, still is. Uh, so I I thought that whole thing was packaged well, mm-hmm. extremely and well. Then yeah. you get going, and Tackett throws that Brooklyn. Yeah, and you're going, right. uh oh, <laughs> interesting. And, and you know Tackett's like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know if if you could get inside Belmonte's brain when that oh, yeah. when that cross and he hit that Belmonte probably was <laughs> swearing to himself inside like you got to be effing kidding me we are yeah. not going through this again he's not going to have this type of day because hey when you see a guy go Brooklyn on TV you know it's kind of like maybe this is going to be his day he just shot 300 now he's carrying mm-hmm. Brooklyn's maybe yeah. this is going to be the run and no bowling gods got him back Phil they did not last long yeah the Sweet Swisher seven and the next shot, I believe it was. It was, yeah, it was just two seven. Oh, it was two tens and a seven, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, they they came back with a vengeance. Uh, I mean, I didn't think the shot in the fourth frame was bad. Shot in the fifth frame, trying to trying to come back off the crossover and right, you know, a little overcompensation in some way, shape, or form. But yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, now you're in the sixth frame and you're down 32. Uh, EJ knew right then mandatory strike mode because Belmo, you know, odds are Belmo's shooting at least 250 at that point. And, at and the that point, the front six. Yeah, at that point, if I, if I was Belmo, I would have been drooling at my mouth. I, yeah. I would have been looking at it. Oh, he's losing the pocket. Mm-hmm. That's how I would have looked at it, you know. So I was just like, okay, they're transitioning on him. How quick is it going to take for him to get relined up? You know, and so, that's oh, sorry, right? No, go ahead. Well, one of those things too is that these guys have bowled against each other so much on TV over the yeah. last few years. Right. Is that they know, okay, he's thrown this ball. This is the move I need to make next time I'm up on that lane. Yes. It, it's just where and McCune admitted it. McCune admitted it on social media this morning that when he made the move yesterday after the first match with Simo, 
EJ got to come on for his practice. Belmo got some practice shots as well as the one seed. And Kevin said, I made a small move and I should have made an EJ and Belmo move because that's the guys that were in front of me. And that's the knowledge these two have. And EJ knew that and Belmo definitely knows that. And so that's why Belmo had that consistency. Belmo didn't give away light shots. He wasn't tripping fours. I mean, there were, those those first 10 shots were pretty damn good. He was crushing it. And there wasn't, yeah, yeah, exactly. And he was making those spot on moves to just keep up with how he, he was and EJ was changing the pattern every time the, the ball hit the lane. The honesty after about that 11th ball mm-hmm. was amazing. About how he was nervous when he got to the 10th. Mm-hmm. And then he figured, well, I'm going to get my re-rack and maybe that'll calm the nerves. And it made it worse, he said. Right. He started laughing and then yeah. he didn't come out of the ball right and so forth. Um, and he said, who cares? You know, I, I won the thing. Right. But I mean, even Belmonte, for all those of you out there that are getting your chance to shoot a 300 in your league and you're all worried and nervous, like probably Belmonte probably doesn't get nervous. Even Jason Belmonte gets nervous at that right. point, Dwight. Yes, his interviews are so uh, polished also. I love his interviews with Kimberly. Um, honest. Um, He's so good at talking. Um, so that's, um, I mean, you're in that high pressure situation and then you're able to switch that, that um, change that switch and be able to have a great interview. There were a couple of points though, that I, I had on that game is, has there ever been a back-to-back 300 from one opponent to another on TV? I know the last time. The tour uh, finals Belmonte. last year at a couple 300s, but I don't know if they were back to back. I'd have well, to go, we'd have to go back and look. Two did different it, bowlers. Didn't they say it was either on one of uh, Belmonte's last year or Tackett's? Troop Not Tackett's. And Belmo, Troop Belmo and Belmo had, had one, and then somebody else had one Troop. on the same show. They had two Cal 300s on one show. Cal okay. Troop at the PBA Tour Finals last year yeah, in Washington State. Yeah. Yeah. There and, you go. When so, you, but I don't know I, if they were back to back. And then on the 11th, when you watch it, at, I, I watched it at normal speed, but you could play it back. There was a fan 50 feet down the lane on the left that stood up in about the third step with his hands in the air uh, on that 11th shot on, on Belmo. There was no talk that it was a distraction or anything like that, but the guy was completely up in the air with his hands uh, above his crap, head. Really? Yeah. Really? You got to watch. The I show. didn't notice that. Yeah. I kind of picked it out with my fast eyes again, being a coach. But I thought, you know, is there, a, is there a distraction factor? And if there wasn't, or if there was, you know, how nice Belmo handled it. Right, he didn't call it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I right. don't know if, if it was that far left being on the right lane. I don't know if Belmo would have picked it up the way he sights. I sure. Mean, he's, he's one of those guys Looking that sights near the front part of the lane. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not 100% sure if he would have actually picked that up. On the left lane, maybe he could have, because you might have caught a reflection or something like right that. Right there. Too, but yeah. Just that angle. The fans are so close, right? Right. And he's walking toward on that shorter pattern. He's walking towards his target. What about Belmonte so. afterwards? And they talked about this on the show while he was bowling, about how he didn't really feel like this was such a great year for him, even though you know he did pretty good. High standards. Uh, at the end of yeah. the day, he's got himself another major and so forth, and he wins this thing for hundred grand. And then afterwards, she followed up and asked him again and he's like well you know finish strong and this helps uh, obviously started laughing but he pretty much said i gave the guys a year off of me this year right. next year i'm coming back strong that's not yeah. good for anybody involved in the pb2 no. i'll that's pray for what? all y'all because it's going to be a long year next year if he comes back better than when he was this year and he's calling a handful of shots an off year yeah like literally he's calling probably 10 shots out of the entire season his difference between having the EJ your EJ's having and 
but Phil, the year he had. But Phil, but remember though, go back. I remember doing shows with you this year, and you're like, yeah, yeah Belmonte struggled in qualifying day one. Belmonte struggled in qualifying yeah. day two, and then Belmonte was having to put in an overdrive at the end of the week to try and get up and make a TV show. And sometimes he did make a TV show. Oh, yeah. I think. That type of stuff is what drives him crazy. Like I should be sitting kind of up there near the top in qualifying every week with a chance to be on TV. I shouldn't have to be going into overdrive at the end of weeks in order to make TV shows. Uh, and then once you get on TV, you know, Tackett needs to strike, gets the strike to beat him or whatever. That type of stuff also bothers him. But I would say overall, he probably is right to a certain degree as far as the standards that he holds for himself. This is not Kevin McCune standards with all yeah. due respect, Kevin McCune. That's not what this is. This is the best of the best with standards to play like the best of the best Dwight tournament in and tournament out. I, I had a huge sigh of relief when he made that comment because we talked earlier in this year in this show and Phil was talking about how many more years is he going to be out here? Right. He did make a comment right away to his family and I'm thinking, Oh God, here we go. You know, this is going to be the retirement type of thing. I'm not going to come back after, that would I, get, be horrible. after I get home. The PBA needs him. Yes. As much as social media people out there don't like his two-handed style, he is the GOAT. The PBA yeah. needs him. So I had a huge sigh of relief when he made that. I'm like, oh, bring it on. Yeah. You know, I think EJ's up for the challenge. No, I think it was really good. And that's a thing, right? And Simonson, him, uh, Tackett. Those guys, Buttriff, you'd assume all four of them are right back at the top of the heap again next year, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know who the other bowlers are that might be in there. Does McCune be able to put it yeah, together for I a full think season? You're I don't know. See more of him. Yes, I think you yeah. see more of Kevin uh, McCune next year. Absolutely. Phil, Santu who else stands another, out to you? I mean, Santu. I mean, Santu. another one. Santu Tahavanainen. I mean, he had a, he had you know some rough events early in the year, and he made a couple of quick adjustments. And boy, that World Series of bowling he had, and and everything, he, it's, it, he's another guy that once he gets another year or two of experience on tour out here, I mean, everybody remembered Jason Belmonte didn't come out on tour and win nine titles his first season. Right. I mean, it took a couple of years for Belmont to develop everything, refine his game. You look at his game from 2009, his game now is entirely different. And you, you, took a, you look at that progression, and you've got the guys like Santu and McCune that are just a year or two in, and they're kind of on that same track. Where it's like all of a sudden, oh, things are getting better. Hey, we're getting multiple TV appearances. Uh, what's going to happen with those two next year? Can we see them on three of the four majors, maybe something of that nature? It's entirely possible. I mean, if if in two or three or four more years, if Belmont gets to 20 uh, majors and says, that's it, next year's the retirement tour, I still think the PBA is in good hands. I still think with and the EJ and the Simo and Santu is a great personality. And he's he's loving he loves every time he gets to talk to somebody about the sport. McCune too is another one. The more time he gets in front of a microphone, the more comfortable he's going to be, and Hill. the more his personality gets to come out even more. That's going to be another major great point for a, a relatable PBA player. But Phil, they're not Michael Jordan. Under, that's and true. I'm not saying he's Michael Jordan from the aspect of bowling because he's yeah. damn good. Yeah, from the marketing aspect, Michael Reed did and came up with the whole his own brand yeah. and that's kind of what belmonte has right. done and that marketing machine that is jason belmonte this whole boom thing at the end he does the whole <laughs> boom right. where the whole crowd right. goes boom with them <laughs> who else does that great. who else right, has right. a little post celebration the whole crowd knows what it is and does it with them after they're done bowling nobody right. i mean yeah. that's what i'm saying so 
Yes, I'll miss <laughs> okay. watching him bowl. But I think the bigger aspect of what the PBA will be, miss is the connectivity, the marketing, and everything that he brings with it. When okay. Belmonte's on TV, I don't know. I would love to know this from Tom Clark. Right. When Tigers ended on Sunday, TV ratings were through the roof back in the day, right? right. Yeah. When Belmonte is bowling on Sunday, what are those TV ratings like when Belmonte is not bowling versus when he right. is? I would yeah. assume there's a difference. Maybe there's not. I don't know. We'd have to ask Tom Clark, but I'd love to know that. Right. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a, there's a difference if Belmo's on there or if an EJ's on there. Absolutely, I think there's a difference. And if you, especially if you get on Fox like it was, I can't wait to see what those numbers were. I mean, we have, you know, two of the most recognizable names out there to the fringe fans with EJ and Belmo. I, I think those numbers can really uh, get up there. And PBA did a great job on social riding into the week, letting everybody know on social that, hey, Belmo, EJ, Simon, here's the five guys you're seeing all week long. Normally, you don't get that. Normally, it's you get it the night before or two nights right. before, depending. Yeah, I mean, they were pushing hard on social with here's your five guys, here's yes. your new up and comer, here's the greatest of all time, here's the you know, the next possible greatest of all time. They did a really good job in social this week, and hopefully that dragged some of the fringe fan fans that would have maybe changed the channel to something else to at least DVR it, if not watch it live on Fox. He is Phil Briler, Dwight Albert. Follow Dwight uh, at Dewey 300. Follow Phil at Bruce City Bowling. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Don't forget to download this on your Odyssey app, Spare Time Bowling Show, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And, of course, the Odyssey Sports YouTube page has all kinds of dumb, uh, fun, different stuff, whether it be this show, whether it be the Curtin Long uh, Packer podcast that I do with Ryan Horvath, the Green and Growing podcast I do with Nathan Marzion, plus podcasts of all different teams from around the country and all different sports right there on the Odyssey Sports uh, page definitely want to check that one out all right we'll do it again next week gentlemen thank you so much have a good rest of your day toodle